Hi, I'm Susan. And this is Diane. And this is When Autumn Comes. Look, life sometimes just looks different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and for people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into our eyes and explained our child's prognosis. Or for the mamas who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as colder temperatures and darker days begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it feels like four seasons in one day. We are here to let you share your story, let you laugh and let you cry, let you learn and let you grow, together with other mothers, when autumn comes. I cannot wait for you guys to hear today's conversation. I'm introducing you to one of my closest Mito mom friends, and this is probably one of the most vulnerable conversations we have all had in a very long time. Janice lives just outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Her beautiful, amazing, lovely daughter, who was a beacon of hope, who is a beacon of hope, who continues to be a beacon of hope, for me and for so many, passed away just a couple months ago. Today we talked to Janice about her beautiful girl. We talked to her about the roller coaster that is special needs parenthood. We talk about what you should or shouldn't say to a grieving mother. And basically we just talk and open our hearts up. If you're listening on the way to work, I'd recommend not. I'd take this one when you have a few minutes and a box of Kleenex. Because doing this episode was tough and editing it was even tougher. Getting all of our snotty (laughs) edited out. I tried my best, guys. Now welcome, Janice. Okay, we are here with Janice. And I have to say that I am so excited to have the opportunity to share Janice and Juliet with everybody because they have brought me so much hope from like day 15 of my journey. Um, when we found out Lorelai's condition and we were sitting in that tiny conference room and they said, but there's a 12 year old. We, I mean, the day we found out about Lorelai's disease, we also found out about Juliet and then y'all were our beacons of hope. And so I am so thankful that you are here, and I can't wait to hear more about Juliet and you. Well, thank you for having me. If you guys could see the joy on both of their faces right now, it's, it's amazing. And this is, <laughs> but we I feel also like have why, <laughs> yeah, they have drinks. Um, this is why we started this, you guys, because here's one mom to another that found connection, you know, in the, probably some of the darkest days of their life. So, so tell us about Jules. 
Um, so Juliet, um, our first and only child, um, was induced at 38 weeks for lack of fetal movement. And although her APGARs were seven and nine, respectively, something was very wrong. Um, a few days after we brought her home from the hospital, we wound up heading back because her body temperature dropped to 93 degrees and she was extremely lethargic. Um, it turned out that Juliet has a um, rare form of mitochondrial disease, FBXL4, and she passed away this past September at 16 years of age, which is a miracle because, of course, they told us she wouldn't live to be five. So Juliet was really the most loving, affectionate, angelic human on the planet, and we were very grateful to have her for 16 years. We are one minute in, and I am already crying. <laughs> But the good news is I am here to share my story, which is a story of hope and joy in very tragic times. And strength. Mm -hmm. And it's a story of love with no regrets. So that's about Jules. I am a sixth grade teacher, and I've been a teacher for 27 years. Um, my husband is a pilot, and we live outside of Philadelphia. So what did Jules love? People. More than anything, she loved people. She loved hugging people, and she loved laughing with people. She loved her some Lorelai when they met. She, like, gripped Lorelai around the neck and would not let go of Lorelai, her little mito sister. And that is the truth. Little kids were especially her favorite, but, you know, we joked that she tortured every nurse she ever had, every helper we ever had, because once she would get her claws into you, she didn't want to let go. So she loved people. She loved laughing. She loved a good joke. She could not talk, but she communicated in a way that I never anticipated would be possible. You just know. You just knew what she needed to say. Well, that's what every, everyone always asked. Like, well, how do you know what she needs? And I, I guess it just, you know, when you're with her 24-7, you know what she needs. She's able to communicate her needs. Um, and she loved books. Sorry to interrupt you. Did you work full-time or do you work full-time? So for her first three years of life, I did not. And it was, you know, they were the toughest years as far as trying to get a diagnosis and, and getting her all of the supports in place that she um, needed. Um, but then at some point I had to go back. So that's when we started nursing care. Okay. 12 hours a day. Your nurses became, some of them became like family and... <laughs> we I would say the majority of our nurses were like family. I mean, there were a few that, you know, didn't work out. But, you know, that's the thing. When you, we, we always refer to our house as Grand Central Station because eventually, as Juliet got sicker over the years, we had a staff of nine nurses, 12 mm -hmm. hours a day during the day, and then eight hours overnight. So at any given time, there's like, you know, between the therapists that would come and the teachers that would come and the nurses there were seven cars in our driveway. So yeah. it's just a different life. Was it the feeling of having that many people in your house at one time, frustrating and yet also like just a blanket of comfort knowing that you have a support? Diane, you hit the nail right on the head. It was frustrating in that your entire life, your relationship with your husband, that entire relationship is different. It's different when there's someone in your house mm -hmm. all the time, all day long. But on the other hand, we couldn't have survived without them. Yeah. And honestly, the love that they showed 
to her over the years, the teachers, the therapists, the nurses were so grateful. Yeah. I feel like, you know, having the support is incredible. Like, so my parents moved into our home when we found out Sale had special needs. We lived in a split level and, you know, she is unable to walk. So we knew we'd have to move and she is a horrible sleeper. And so we decided to build a home with um, my parents. And, you know, my husband and I often talk about like, we never expected to be here. I mean, you don't sign up to get married to live with your in-laws, you know, with your family of five. And yet having to be thrown into this experience, which is a little bit undescribable when you're like, nobody wants to be here, but the humbling feeling and gratitude when you are here and then you have that just immense community behind you is just so humbling. I feel like it's so, it's something that some people don't get to experience. And so I, I loved how you you know, described that, how it was just, yeah, it's really invading, but it's just a beautiful thing to have that community behind you. Yeah. That being said, I do think that unfortunately it does add a level of stress to your relationship. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. In a way that people couldn't even possibly understand. I mean, I could think of something as simple as dishes. Dishes used to be a huge fight because I didn't want ever the nurse to have to work around dishes. Now I leave the dishes in the sink all day. Like, (laughs) So, you know, it's just these simple things that you never realized caused such bitterness. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Keeping that in mind, I think, is so important to give yourself a little break. You know, the stress is a lot. Absolutely. Absolutely. Jules was how old when you got a diagnosis? So at one year of age, she had a fresh muscle biopsy done out in Ohio and at that time, we had hoped that we would have a definitive mitochondrial disease um, established. Unfortunately, it showed that basically all of her Krebs cycle, all of her energy production was um, damaged, but no specific mitochondrial disease was identified. So we continued the search um, for years. Now, she went as suspected mito from the time she was born and had her first crash until she was nine years old when finally the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia was able to identify her mutation. And she was the first child in the world to be identified with FBXL4 mitochondrial disease. So it was a long journey, a long journey. Take a breath, Diane. (laughs) How was it not having a single uh, family with that singular diagnosis and that specific diagnosis. I mean, there's no direction, right? Like Susan said. Well, fortunately about mitochondrial disease, so many, no matter what type you have, are similar. So I had already built up a support system from going to the conferences and whatnot of people that, although maybe it wasn't the exact same type of mito, they still were experiencing the same kind of loss, the same kind of symptoms that their children had. So that was encouraging. I guess for us, the biggest thing about finding the exact mutation was the hope that we could offer her treatment or a cure over time with research. Um, So it didn't really change our day-to-day knowing it was FBXL4, but it gave us hope, gave us more hope. Good. Were we the first family you connected with that was FBXL4? You were, yes. And that was amazing. Amazing Mm -hmm. to know. And, you know, We talk about how Lorelai and Juliet are so similar um, Mm -hmm. in their symptoms and whatnot. 
So that was amazing too, because not all of the FBXL4 families are, you know, have kids that are as medically compromised. So it was, I don't want to say it was good to find someone that knew what we were going through, but because I don't wish that on anyone, but it was. And it was also a blessing that we have the same level of snark and sarcasm. Definitely. (laughs) I mean, like, I love all of the people we've met, but like you and I just clicked. And I, I think that that was, it was in the stars for us to, for our girls to bring us together. Absolutely. So, you know, we make the best of this and our friendship is definitely one of the good things that Mido gave to me. And we, I mean, I went, I drove eight hours to go to Janice's to drink at the lake one time. Listen, you also drove that many hours to come to Juliet's funeral for 15 minutes. Um, so yeah, you're a gift. I wouldn't have been anywhere else. We have an RV for a reason. During COVID, we rolled into Jules's funeral <laughs> like cousin Eddie at Christmas vacation. There's all these I people. Call, I like, call the funeral home. There's going to be an RV that's going to pull in. And that's my friend. She's going to come before everyone else because of COVID, you know. Um, yeah, it was pretty funny. And what did I wear, Janice? Um, like a Tyvek suit to protect herself. Um, You did give me a hug, but only because the suit was on. Exactly. I had the full hospital gown, yellow hospital gown, an N95. (laughs) Have you guys ever seen the movie RV? No, but you've told me I need to watch it. I just feel like that gave me the entire envision of Robin Williams (laughs) in that movie. You have got to watch it. Will do. So, Janice, what would you tell anyone who's new into this journey and trying to navigate. I mean, like our story is very heavy and I say our story because my story is very similar to yours, but like, what would you tell people who are new to this? And they're just finding out like your kid may have a two to five year life expectancy. So I guess I would say that the diagnosis is shattering in and of itself, but And truthfully, I didn't know how bad it was going to be. Like even that diagnosis doesn't really prepare you for how bad it gets occasionally. But I guess overall, Juliet just gave so much love that there's no reason to feel sorry for yourself or for anyone you know that is going through this because the opportunity to connect with a human that is as pure as these special needs kids are there's, there's nothing like it in the world. So I would say find joy every day. I mean, that was our goal, especially in the last year since she started hospice. And looking back on it, we have no regrets that every day we sang her favorite songs, we read her favorite books, we watched her favorite movies, and that's what we all needed. COVID was a gift to us. I guess that's the other thing. You're going to find gifts in very unexpected places. Um, another, I was thinking about this and we, I was talking to my husband about things that have been life-changing for Juliet. We once discovered, and Susan, you know this, with the doctor's help, that giving Juliet a suppository every day, getting her on the toilet, changed our lives. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like such a little thing, but it was an unexpected gift. Like, oh, how about that? This tiny little thing gave her much less pain 
gave us a time to connect with her because obviously she couldn't hold herself up there. So we, every day we would be there with her. Find the blessings in the unexpected situations because there's going to be a ton of them. I love that because I think sometimes it's hard to slow down. Can you tell um, everybody why COVID was a gift for you? Yes. Um, so in March, when the shutdown occurred across the country, we decided that having any nurses in our home was too risky. Juliet was already on hospice at that point, and it was just stupid. I mean, why would we fight so hard to keep her alive and then bring an outsider into the home? Um, so at that time, I started teaching virtually, and my husband took leave from work. And so for the last six months of Juliet's life, last nine months, really, last six months were the worst part, but the last nine months of her life, we were with her 24-7, seven days a week. All she knew was our love. And all we knew was her love. So COVID was a gift for us because, well, first of all, <laughs> regular people are upset about COVID and being, you know, quarantined and whatnot. But that was our life prior. I mean, we never went to anything. Nothing big. changed for like, us. Yeah, not, Nothing changed as far as, you know, we're not bringing jewels to the mall because even the slightest of colds would, would make her very sick. But having no one in our home to share in the last months of her life was a gift. I, I look back and think in the beginning, I was like, oh my gosh, they're crazy for taking all the nurses out. How in the world is this going to work? And I mean, it was the perfect storm. Speaking of storms, a tree also fell on your house and you were forced to move to your lake house, which was Juliet's favorite <laughs> place in the entire world. I mean, talk about things happening. Yeah. So we had a, a tree fall on our house in June. <laughs> talk about amazing gifts. We um, were at the lake at that time at our lake house, which I just want to mention to try and find something for your family as an escape. Ours was uh, a house up in the Poconos, but I've heard people get a boat. I've heard people get an RV. You have to find something that's going to give you a little bit of relaxation, a little bit of respite as a family. I think that's so important. It gives you a place because so many people are going to Disney or places that our kids who are so immunocompromised it's not that easy. And so by you having the lake house and us having our RV, we can control our bubble still. The precautions that people are taking right now with COVID, like that's why you had the lake house and that's why we have our RV so that we could control our bubble and still find joy and still make memories. And 100%. you told me, you told me in one of the first conversations we had was find your thing find your place. I will tell you, it is work to get all of the medical crap loaded up and into an RV, but it is worth it every time because you are finding and making memories. Getting ready for any trip is hard for medically fragile families. You know, you have to, God forbid, you forget one med. I mean, then that's a four hour trip for someone to go pick it up and, and bring it back. And it's done happened. It. <laughs> yeah, We've done but, it. it's, but it's still worth it. It's still so worth it because having that time and building those memories is key. Hey, we're going to take a quick pause. Are you a medical or special needs mom looking for a community of people who just get it? You are invited to join us in the 4AM Mom Club. Yep, that's the name of our bonus content. 
but it is also the name of our community. Moms just like you and me, we laugh together, cry together, and we support each other through this crazy life. You can learn more at whenautumncomes.com. Go to the top of the page and click on the button that says 4am mom club. See y'all there. Now we're heading back. So we were talking about the tree and the tree came through the house and Juliet eventually got sick enough that every day she needed to go on BiPAP and have oxygen to help her to breathe. Because if we try to let her go without, she normally had it every night anyway, but she got to the point where she couldn't get through the day without that rest and that help. She never slept, but she just needed breathing to be taken off her plate. And we would every day put her in bed at one o'clock and we would let her watch her favorite movie, which at the time was The Sound of Music. Amazing movie. And she loved it. We had happened to be at our lake house when the tree came through at one o'clock in the afternoon and it came through her bedroom. So had we had been here instead of at our lake house, you know, I'm not sure Juliet would have survived. God is good and life is crazy. And I mean, what a kick in the pants would it have been if you fought Mito all these years and she dies by a tree. Like That's exactly what we said, right? I mean, that, that would be our luck. But um, fortunately, it didn't work out that way. And then you got to spend the last six months of her life at her favorite place at the lake house. Yep. And I would say, too, that it was another gift. I mean, if you just look for the gifts that you're given... It was another gift out of all the times that Juliet could have died in a hospital with doctors and nurses around her trying to, you know, she's been intubated for 46 days. They're not sure she's going to make it. They don't normally keep a kid intubated for that long without doing a trach. Um, All the ways that she could have passed. We are just so grateful that she passed with the love of her parents in her arms, her pups around her, peacefully doing her favorite things for six solid months. And that's a blessing. It's all any of us can hope for. I mean, in this this life, this is all. I hope that Lorelai and Jules are so much alike that I hope that that's how, I hope that's how it goes for us. Many, many, hopefully many, 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 many years from now. (laughs) Hopefully, but we all know that life is crazy. And uh, so what, and I'm going to ask this because I know you, not every day it's easy to find the joy. Like we're sitting here talking about like, find the joy, find the joy. And there are so many dark days and it's not, it's not, did you find the joy on those days or did you find it after when you kind of look back and you say, I needed to find the joy? So I think I remember telling you once that it is a roller coaster of feelings and emotions. And I couldn't find a metaphor that works more perfectly than a roller coaster because the rough days are so rough. And then when you get through it and you're at the apex of the roller coaster, it is so good. And every time you get through another dip in the roller coaster, the stronger you feel and the more hopeful you are. <laughs> You're definitely more tired, but 
knowing that you've been there before and you can get there again is key. So no, you don't always find the joy every day. I will say that looking back now, I definitely remember much more joy than I do pain. Kind of like giving child, give, you know, childbirth. Like, I got to remember being in pain. Do you guys remember being in pain? I didn't go into labor. Oh, how about you, Diane? <laughs> I, I remember the pain, but I don't remember like how physically bad it hurt. And I can walk away saying like, hands down, do it again tomorrow. Right, right. Exactly. I think it's the same thing. Like I remember there were all these hospitalizations and seizures and times we're racing down the highway at 90 miles per hour as I'm, you know, trying to suction her and get oxygen into her. I remember it all existed, but what I feel is the love. I don't feel that terror, you know, you know, it's like God is good in that you forget it. That brings me so much hope because I know I'm at a point where I live like looking ahead at the potential. Like I'm in this stage of not necessarily the what ifs, but like I know Susan and I will often say like, I don't know how I can't do this for another 20 years, but I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this for another 20 years. And, you know, sometimes it's just literally getting through every day and waking up the next morning and being like, okay, here we go. And it's just brings me so much hope to hear you say like, you know, you may be at the really hard part on that roller coaster and it may be really painful and it may be really scary and just tiring. But like when you get through that, you're going to be, you're going to find the joy and you're going to find the hope and you'll be stronger and you'll be able to do it again. Because I think that's what's so daunting is knowing like for some of us, this never ends. You know, it's not, I mean, for all of us, right? Like likely your child's special need disability or medical diagnosis is not going to necessarily go away. It's just going to be a constant. So um, thank you. That, that was beautiful. I loved that analogy. And from my perspective, hearing the comparison of Diane saying, like, childbirth, you do it again. And I sit here and I'm looking at a screen with Diane in one square and Janice in another. And I hear, I hear, I know that both of my children will be dying young. And I see what Janice is going through right now. And I think one day I'm going to do that with one of them. And then one day I'm going to do that with the other. And I hope and pray that it's the same, like Diane said, like, you remember the pain, but you do it again, because I'm going to have to do it again at some point. And having two of them, like, I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know how to do this twice, other than you just do it. It is what it is, right? Someone may have a tattoo of that on their body. I'm not going <laughs> And mine is rejoice and hope. So between the two of us, it is what it is. Find the hope. <laughs> um, so Janice, what would you tell people? It doesn't have to be special needs moms or anything like that. What would you tell people? What do you want them to know about what they can talk to or tell a grieving mother? That's an excellent question. So I guess the biggest thing that I know is meant in only love when people say it is 
that God gave her to us for a reason because we could handle it. And I just feel, and I've never said it, and I know it's a kind concept, but the grieving mother thinks to herself, oh yeah, then why didn't he give her to you? And it turns out to be more hurtful than helpful. So I guess if you know someone who's lost a child, telling them what the child meant to them is the most important thing. I love hearing about Juliet and what she meant to people. And I think that sometimes people think, oh, I can't bring her up. Janice is going to get upset. I honestly get upset if you don't bring her up. Like if there's a natural situation where Juliet would be thought of and she's not brought up, like why? So I, I might get a little bit clemmed. It's okay. I want to hear about her. And I, I mean, I, before this podcast, I was hesitant to ask you. And then I talked to you and a couple other of my mom friends who have recently lost their children. And everybody's same response was, you're going to let me have a microphone and talk about my kid? Like, I want to talk about my child. I want to share my child with the world. She had so much joy and hope, and her story's not done. She has a legacy beyond, what, four days past her 16th birthday? She has a legacy, and she is still making a difference in the world. And we are blessed and lucky to to talk about her. Absolutely. And she's sitting here smiling over your shoulder right now in one of my most favorite pictures of her in her life jacket. And it just, I, yeah. <sighs> this is hard for me. <laughs> I just want to hug you virtually from far away. I just want to hug you. Thank you for sharing her with the world. This is so beautiful and important and just so hopeful, to be honest with you, despite the ending, you know? And I do have hope. I, I have hope still for, you know, a cure or treatment for mitochondrial disease. I also hope that because of, you know, Juliet's diagnosis that, you know, people can start getting these supplements much earlier than Juliet ever was able to get them. Um, they have, Benji. Yeah. they have because of Jules and because of the research that Chop did after discovering FBXL4 with Jules, Benji was able to start a trial treatment the day he was born because of Juliet. And that's amazing to me. She lives through him in that way. Can I ask you a question? Of course. What stage of grief do you think you're in? Acceptance, I guess. But I would say that it's still a roller coaster. I mean, it's only been almost four months. Some days aren't as painful as others. 
So it's kind of more like a roller coaster, and then it, it hits me in a strange way. Stupid things. But I accept it. I'm not angry. She owed us nothing. She fought harder than any human I have ever met. Every day, like on a good day, she fought to stay alive. So I'm not angry. But you miss her. Yeah. I'm sorry, I've had to have my microphone off for most of this interview. <laughs> so you guys want to hear my snot that I keep slurping up. <laughs> well, I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to talk about all of this because I do think it's important. I remember in the beginning when she was first diagnosed, just trying to find people that could talk about what we're going through um, and how hard it is. So I hope that I can offer someone out there some reassurance that there are days where you're going to say, I can't do this, but you will. I think you that will. your mission was accomplished for me anyway. So thank you for that. We wrap up every interview by asking one simple question, which isn't really simple, but one question, Janice, what gives you hope? Knowing that Juliet has affected so many families in the world gives me hope. Her legacy lives on. And that gives me hope. Thank you for sharing her with the world. Thank you, Janice. Very important story to tell. Thank you. Thanks so much, Janice, for sharing your story. That was incredible. I have to go find some tissues. I don't know about you, Susan, but um, that was just beautiful and humbling that we get to um, learn all about Juliet. So with that being said, we hope you have a great week. I am going to go take my kids sledding. In what are you snow. doing, Susan? In the snow that you potentially have when this will be aired. Yes. And this is Susan, and I need to go pack up my holiday decorations because when this is aired, it will be end of January, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe. I have to go pack up my holiday decorations. We'll see you guys at 4 a.m. on Friday. Bye, guys. We know you have so many choices on how to spend your time. Thank you so much for choosing to spend it with us. We would be honored to hear your unique, complicated, and hope-filled stories. We would love for you to connect with us and share your story on our website, www.whenautumncomes.com, and you can find us on social media at When Autumn Comes Podcast. Also, check us out at 4AM Mom Club, where we will be sharing our middle-of-the-night shenanigans, Etsy finds, Netflix faves, and other things to get us through. We would love for you to hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. You'll continue to hear unique stories, feel a whole lot of comfort, 
and connection, and hopefully share in a few laughs. We are new to the podcasting world, so this show is produced by yours truly. With hope and a whole lot of excitement, Diane and Susan. See you next time.